now for airplane mode. I hope everybody's having a good day. So far? Good. I feel like I want to sit down. Everybody just is, you ever just, for me especially, when I, if I'm someplace I really don't want to be, like the mall, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I could be out on a construction site all day long, walking around in heavy boots, sweating out there, 100 degree temperature. But boy, as soon as I got to walk around the Dollar General for 10 minutes looking for bread, I just want to sit down. I don't want back sore. Uh, you know, all those, if you ever go to the mall, which is kind of a dying tradition, I guess, they got all kinds of bench seats and couches and stuff. Those are all for the men. That sounded sexist, didn't it? That's, that's for people who want to sit down. They just get tired of walking around. You ever just get tired? <laughs> more and more every day. No, he was born that way. He born that way. Okay, born that way. Yeah, born tired. Yeah. I sense that uh, we're tired, and I don't necessarily mean physically, because there, there, there are books you can read and things you can follow on how to sleep better with a sleep number bed or the proper pillow. I mean, the reality of it is. None of us get probably enough sleep, but I'm talking about just being tired. Tired of the way things are. Spiritually? Maybe just tired of life. Things just get tough, don't they? We spend so much time trying to do the right thing. I'm getting some feedback here. Do you guys get in that? You know, Jesus got tired too. How many of you, by show of hands, actually thought that Jesus was weak? Anybody think he was weak? Show of hands. Good for you. Yeah. But you know, in John chapter 4, we hear that he's tired. He's tired. Turn with me to John chapter 4. What he means by that, you know, Jesus is perfect. Jesus is God, and you and I spend so much time trying to be perfect. I think we make ourselves tired. We get weary. But if Jesus can get weary, if Jesus can get tired, what does that say about us? So just because you're Weary doesn't mean you're weak. Did you hear me? Just because you're weary doesn't mean you're weak. This is uh, the Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Okay, we're familiar with this story, but maybe not in this context. Um, Jesus uh, knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptized. This is in John chapter 4, verse 1. 
Uh, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples and that than, than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Jesus, now keep in mind, they didn't have Ubers and have taxis and have bicycles. And when they would, they walked everywhere they went. So I'm sure that there was a component of physical tiredness that existed all the time and they're dealing with the heat and they didn't have Nike tennis shoes and hiking boots and sandals and barefoot. And some of these walks they took were six or seven hours. Can you imagine walking? Can you imagine getting in a car for six or seven hours with my kids trying to figure out how to keep them occupied let alone walking six or seven hours? You'd be tired. And he had people following him all over the place. He had the Pharisees and the Sadducees go to the bathroom. He had to look behind his shoulder. He couldn't get any privacy. I mean, they were everywhere. Everywhere he went, they were there. Everything he did, they questioned. He was, I mean, can you imagine what it was like at this point in his ministry, okay? They, he's very popular. They know who he is. He's, a lot of times he says, I've got to get away. He gets in a boat, goes over, says, I'm going to go up here with my friends. Y'all just stay down there for a while. I'm going to be by myself. That's why he went to the, uh, you know, uh, the, the garden oftentimes to, to get away. Just to pray, to be alone. We find in this story that he's busy. He's been walking. He left Judea to return to Galilee. And he's had to go through Samaria on the way. Well, he didn't have to. It says he had to, but why? Isn't it easier sometimes, instead of going through a territory, an area where we know we're going to encounter problems, we know we're going to have issues, we just go around it. Not Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to go right there. I'm going to meet you head on. So no matter how tired he was or how weary he was, he went through Samaria on the way. And it says, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sakar near the field of Jacob, field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. That's significant. It's a field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. It's a field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Jacob's well was there. Let's talk about the well for a minute. In the generations that preceded us, it matters. In this situation, it's important that we see the generation of Jacob and Joseph. This was Jacob's well. There's a lot of tradition here. We're talking about a well with water, but oftentimes when we hear about water, HTO, we're not really talking about water. We're talking about something much more impactful, much deeper, a spiritual reality. What well are you drinking from? What well have we dug for our kids? What well are they harvesting their information from today? Where are they getting their information? Where are they getting fed? Who is feeding them? Do you have a good tradition? The scripture is important here and that we know that in this place was Jacob's well, who Joseph had given. 
gave his son, or excuse me, Jacob gave this to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, listen, this is in the New Living Translation, tired from a long walk, about six hours. Tired from a long walk. Sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Huh. So if sometimes just in life I, I get tired. I'm tired of dealing with issues. Tired of dealing with bills. Tired of dealing with stupid people. Let's be honest. And sometimes that stupid person is the one in the mirror. I, I, I'm harder on myself than anybody. And there's some really stupid things that I do, that you do, right? And we're hard on ourselves. And after a while, life just becomes routine. It becomes mundane. It becomes regular. We go to work. We get a paycheck. We come home. We go to bed. We do the laundry. Take care of the dogs. We do all these things. It just is. It's just. It's just. You know. I'm tired sometimes. And you hear all those silly politics going on. And you can't explain a lot of it. And you want to. And people want to argue one side or the other. And it's just exhausting. It's just, it's just exhausting. And sometimes I just say, Lord, come home. Come, come, come get me. I mean, it sounds very fatalistic. I'm not like I'm, I'm ready to die, okay? But I, I'm ready for the Lord to come. I'm ready for this to be home. Just, life is hard, okay? Life is hard, but God is good. And, and sometimes uh, where I got the motivation for the sermon today was that uh, sometimes uh, we struggle with our faith. People say, well, I've, I've lost my faith. I'm struggling with my faith. Or people come to church and they renew their faith or they renew their commitment. Like, what, is, what does all that really mean? You know, faith is nothing more than putting your trust in and, 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 and knowing that God is going to take care of things, right? But sometimes our faith wavers because we are just tired. Tired. I've been there. Yeah. It seems like the closer I get to God in my walk, okay, the more the fiery darts of the evil one come at me. And it is exhausting. And the last couple of weeks, I thought to myself, come on, God. This is, no, come on. What's it all about? You ever feel that way? Why me? Why is this happening? Why am I being tried here? Why? 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 Sometimes the answer is right in front of us. It's some odd way for me as my testimony to you when the trials come, I feel closer to God because I know that it's the evil one tempting me. If you're a Christian here today, you're just kind of going about your business. But don't read your Bible. Don't pray. Don't do some of the things that probably we should be doing, though we're not saved by our works. You don't understand that. But we're just kind of, we just kind of leave things as they are. Satan loves that. He doesn't mess with you. He's exactly where he wants you. He can't have your soul, but he's got you where he wants you right now. You're not much of an influence on the world around you. He doesn't mind that at all. But by golly, as soon as you start to make some headway, as soon as you start to do some things, you start to get in the 
the line of God's work and his call and his mission and his will. He don't like that. He doesn't like that. And as oftentimes as it happens to me, I try to say, well, that's just coincidence or that's just, that's just life. That's just how that, you know, it's, it's God is moving and directing and providing and showing and saying, I'm here. You know, we're, we in the Western culture, we have so much evidence for the existence of God and the God of the Bible, yet we continue to try to argue it away. We continue, even, even as well-meaning Christians, sometimes, sometimes, even your pastor goes, is God real? And I say that only for this reason, to make a point, okay? I know God is real, but when we say we lose our faith, isn't that what we're really saying? Not that we've lost our faith, but I've lost the faith that God even exists. Sometimes you feel that way. Do you? I'm just not very faithful this week. And as a result, I'm not going to pray. As a result, I'm not going to read my Bible. As a result, I'm not going to do this because we are, in a sense, acting in a way that says God doesn't exist. That's a serious problem. And if the evil one of this world can convince you that that's the case, then you are not very effective for the kingdom. Right? So was this woman, who was a Samaritan woman, who came to this same well where Jesus happened to be sitting. Huh, imagine that. Jesus, instead of going around Samaria, goes right into the town. He tells his disciples, go, leave me alone for a while. I'm going to sit here at the well. And notice where he was sitting. He's sitting at Jacob's well. He's sitting at a well that has steeped in tradition, steeped in the Old Testament, God's tradition. He's sitting at that well. What well are you sitting at? And notice, too, that it's Jesus sitting. On the first day, God was working. On the second day, God was working. On the third day, God was working. On the fourth day, God was working. On the fifth day, God was working. On the sixth day, God was working. What was he doing on the seventh day? He's sitting at the well resting for you. Sometimes for us to get out of our funk, to get out of this poor me attitude or to grow my faith, sometimes you just, you just got to sit with Jesus. And you need to sit where he's sitting. You can't sit at a well of your choice. It's got to be the well of our generations from Jesus. It's got to be the well of Jacob. It's got to be the well of the truth, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. Jesus is inviting you to come sit with him at his well to feed on him and from him. Jacob's well was there, verse 6, and Jesus tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. So, when I am tired of life, when I'm weary of the path, when I'm just, just exhausted, okay, maybe physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever, I tend to question whether or not I am then weak in my spiritual walk with God. The answer is no. No. Jesus, who's perfect, was weary. Jesus, who's God, 
is tired. You're going to get tired. You're going to get weary. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you any less of a Christian. It's just the way life is. And Jesus says, I, I, I get tired. That's why he says, that's why he hung on a cross for us. Arms fully stretched. He says, it is finished. I am the way. I am the life. I am the well. I am the resurrection. All who come to me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. All who drink from this well shall never thirst. He's not talking about water. He's talking about life. He's talking about reality. He's never talking about water when he talks about life. He's talking about himself. Where are you seated? Because Jesus is resting. He's waiting for you. He's at the right hand of the Father right now. And he simply says, come and drink. As tired as Jesus was physically as a man, fully human, fully human, fully divine, fully human, he, he wanted to experience it. He wanted to experience what humans experienced, and he did. He was tired. He was exhausted. He was weary, but he was still perfect. He's still God. And if he can get tired, he can get weary. So can you. Got news for you. And Jesus sat at the well, even though he was tired, even though he was weary, even though he was probably so frustrated with all the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you know, the people going around, if they had cameras taking pictures of him and, and doing all this falling, he couldn't get away. He couldn't get away. But what did he do? He still was at the well for the woman at the right time. And not just a woman, but I mean a sinner. She'd had five previous husbands and she was on her sixth. And I say this carefully. The numbers are significant here. How many husbands? She was five and on her sixth. How many days creation? Six and on the seventh rested. This is the place where the Samaritan woman finds the seventh day of rest. The seventh, if you will, husband. And I don't mean that in any disrespect at all. But everything flows together in God's word. So let's take a look at this. She says, and soon, verse 7, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. And he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Here's a woman who chose a time of day to come to the well when there wouldn't be any other women there because she was ashamed of who she was and who she is. And she was going to get made fun of. And she didn't want to have to put that. Listen, one of the things that you can accomplish by sitting at the well of life with Jesus is finding out just exactly who you are. And quite honestly, the older I get, the more I look at myself and go, I don't necessarily like who I am. In fact, just, just this past week, I, I, I'm praying to God, just humbly, just Lord, I'm, I'm not worth saving. I'm, you know, just, you just, did you ever, you ever got that feeling? You just, you know, I've tried I've tried, I've tried, and, and, and it really stemmed from the way I responded in a situation. I just like, hey, you know, I'm tired. I, I can't. God, why you, why you save me? I'm tired. Uh, I've tried. 
I can't keep my mouth shut when I need to keep my mouth shut. I can't do what I'm supposed to do. The things that I want to do, I, I, I can't do. The things I know I'm supposed to do, I don't do. Yet the old man in me is dead, is gone. The, the old is gone, the dead is buried, the new has come. And I, and, and I still struggle in the flesh. Does anybody else? Is anybody else tired of struggling in the flesh, in these bodies, in these fragile temples? And I seek perfection, and the more perfection that I seek, the more tired I get. Yet I read a passage of scripture like this, and I think the perfection of Christ. And he got tired. What was he tired from? Was he physically tired? Was he mentally tired? What was it? But he takes the time in verse 7 of John chapter 4 to ask this woman for a drink of water. Can you give me a drink? Verse 9, the woman was surprised. And the Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. He said. She said to Jesus, well, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why... Are you asking me for a drink? This is, the, this is the last person she wanted to meet at the well. She went there trying in discretion. She tried to go there and not see anybody, let alone a Jew, let alone a rabbi, let alone a teacher. And here she's in the presence of God himself, doesn't even know it. And then this person has the gall to ask her to get him something to drink. Oh, no, I'm really put on the spot what is he doing? He's asking her to figure out who she is. Who are you? Who are you? It's okay to be tired, but when you come to the well, the question is, who are you? And there's one thing in my life I've learned that God will show you who you are. And when he begins to unpeel the layers like an onion, you go, ah. Like an onion, when you're peeling it, begin to get tears. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are born into iniquity. All have sinned. All. I care how good you think you are. And honestly, I'm tired of people's, people thinking they are. Now, other good traits? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw something this week on social media. I loved it, and I thought about putting it up here. It is a picture. It was of this evil, satanic-looking entity was probably 10 foot tall holding hands with a little boy or girl walking down the street. And it said, basically, while we're trying to determine whether tithing is biblical, whether when we're trying to determine whether it's going to be Baptists or Methodists or Catholics or whatever is going to go to heaven. When we're trying to figure out what we should wear to church. When we're trying to figure out all these things and we're judging other people. The evil ones walking around with our children untouched. Has free access. Folks, we got to get real. Satan is very real. It starts with us identifying who are we. Jesus challenges this woman and says, give me a drink. Can you imagine the Lord asking you for a drink? 
I'm not worthy to give you a drink of water, Lord. I mean, I, I give you whatever I got. I, I give you, wow, you need something? Listen, I, I'm the one that needs to, I'm the one that needs to drink. I, I, please, I, I, but Jesus says, give me a drink. The woman was surprised. And, and she says, why are you asking me for a drink? In verse 9. And Jesus said, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me. And I would have given you living water. <laughs> if you knew who just asked you for a drink, and we do because we know the story, okay? You'd say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you Lord, you give me this living water. And I'm talking about H2O, spiritual and she goes on. She, and we know the story. She goes on about the rope and the bucket. And said the well's very deep. And, and Jesus replies in verse 13. He says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. He is talking about the water this time. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And this is where... Just before all the good stuff happens, he says to her, you're right. You don't have a husband. After she says, I don't have a husband. He says, you have, in verse, at verse 18, you have five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. So that's six. You certainly spoke the truth. Listen, uh, for us to have a proper understanding of our relationship with Jesus... Listen, and what he has done for you, you need to understand who you are. Okay? Now, I don't, I mean, don't mean to be negative, but you need to understand the level of sin that we're talking about. Well, I'm not that bad. Listen, um, you have things in your life, you have things in your closet, and you need to say to yourself I'm not asking you to tell me I'm not asking you to tell a priest I'm just saying you need to recognize yourself Jesus said to this woman you, you, you're right you seek the truth so if you're going to encounter Jesus the, first, the very first step and a refreshing step and a, and, a, and a needed step is recognizing who you are and we live in a world today okay, that doesn't want to look in the mirror we want to photoshop everything I'm not trying to tell you to depress you, but when you look in the mirror and you see what God sees, okay, not what your neighbor sees, not what grandma sees, not what your husband sees, but what God sees, he sees a sinner needing saved. He sees someone who's very lovable. He's seen someone who's very beautiful, and someone who needs to repent of their sin and be honest about their sin and turn to Jesus. That's what he was asking this woman. He says, you do not lie. You, you, not only you had five husbands, you're on your sixth. How? I mean, who, who wants to hear that? I don't, I don't want to hear, well, you know, you slept with this person, you slept with this person, you slept with this person, you know, I mean, this is bad, this is bad. You know, he, she's, she's like a bucket. She's been passed around. Okay? I'm trying to be nice here, but if this is a rough life, and she doesn't, I mean, she, she admits it. The first step to becoming a born-again Christian is acknowledging your sin. Sinning towards God. But it does affect everybody. It affects people.
Verse 21, we'll finish with this. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed. It is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those, listen, the Father is looking for those the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. What way? In truth. Okay? So, to finish up, there are people sitting in the pews today that are doing all the right Christian things. And maybe they're saved, maybe they're not. Okay? But people continue to think that by doing this, by looking this way, by being this way, I'm somehow going to be a Christian. That, they've got it wrong. It, it, it's about recognizing who you really are. The sinner that you are. I'm a pastor and I still sin. And I ask for forgiveness. I try to walk in righteousness. I try to walk like Christ. But the harder I try, the harder it is. And it just it seems impossible. And I get tired. I'm just tired. I'm tired. Are you tired? Go to the well. Where are you going to get a drink today? You're going to let the social media and Facebook and Twitter and whatever those others are called feed you as your truth? Or will it be Jesus giving you the truth? Jesus is who I choose. And Jesus says, I only ask one thing. You be honest with me. I'll give my life for you, but I want you to be honest with yourself. Because some people still think, he may have died on a cross, but not for me. Well, I ain't that bad. <laughs> Please, really? And in today's world, it's even more hard to convince people that the way they're living and what they're doing is a sin. And it's offensive. Yeah, yeah. We're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. The good news is, Jesus is sitting at the well right now. He's at the right hand of the Father right now, waiting his return. And he is waiting for you to come to him and say to him, give me a drink. Will you do that? Maybe you've got to make a decision today. Maybe it's a decision for Jesus to ask him for forgiveness of your sins. Maybe it's a decision for membership. Maybe it's a decision to change what you're doing and recommit yourself in your faith and walk and say, you know what, I've been tired, Pastor. But that doesn't mean I'm weak. You're not weak. The power of the Holy Spirit is with you all today. I bless you. God blesses you. Uh, take that with you this day, okay? Lord God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, uh, our lesson here today. As we look at uh, the well, the well is deep. What well will we be drinking from today? Hopefully it's the well that you're offering, the well of life, the well of truth, the well of true self-reflection in who we are and why you had to go to a cross and die for us and then why the curtain was torn from top to bottom and why the why the earth quaked and the sky turned dark and that three days later the stone was rolled back and you were resurrected and while you're at the right hand of the Father now you died for our sin and our sin is a major, major, major thing. And I thank you for that. I thank you that you died for my sin. And I, man, I tell you, I just, when I think of what you did, I get less tired. I really do. And you put it in perspective, Lord, just refresh us today. Refresh our minds. Refresh our energy. And protect us as we go about our ways today, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
Dorothy, if we're ready, we'll turn to stand. We'll turn, turn to page 493 and sing our closing hymn. 493.